Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now, your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, and that's Doug. Dude, uh, training camp has started. The Sharks are undefeated in the preseason, which means nothing. Dude, no, I have a question. Yes. Okay, so will the parade make a left on Almaden Boulevard or a right? They're undefeated, dude. I know, dude. Just keep the good times rolling. The statue of Strauss Mann is in the works. <laughs> That's right. It's being cast right now. That's right. Yes. We call it Man's Mantle. Man. <laughs> I like it. I want him to be the future goalie just because I, I, he's got one of the best names ever. It's true. Yeah. I mean, having a jersey that just says man. On man. The who's man. the man? Yeah. Dude, before we actually talk about, you know, hockey, we, <laughs> we should talk about another important thing. Speaking of name on the back of a jersey, what do you think of the new unis, dude? Big difference. We got the teal pants now. Teal pants. The stripes are now back. The stripes are different colors than they used to be, less the third color. Now it's like the teal and the black or something. I can't remember all the details, but I don't know. Do you have any reaction whatsoever to this new uniform or is it just like, Well, I mean, you know, on the list of things I felt like needed to be fixed, this was lower (laughs) on the list for me. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, they could be playing in, uh, you know, polka dots. As long as they were a better team, Good uh, idea. that's all that I cared about. Dude, I don't have a great opinion on this. Do you? Uh, at first, I thought the teal pants was too much. It was too much teal. But now I'm getting a little bit more used to the idea. I kind of okay. like it. I oh. kind of like it. And I always did like the stripes. When they took the stripes off, I wasn't that big of a fan. I thought the jerseys got too plain at that point. Yeah. I do wish there was a little bit more of that third color. like that, Because then it's a m- more of a tie-in to the Barracuda. Because the Barracuda have the orange jersey, which I really like, but uh, I'm I'm actually uh, slightly on the positive for the new unis now. Okay, look at you. This might be the only positive thing that's said this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, if hey you yo. if you read the athletic previews and you read other articles and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't say there's an overwhelming sense of positivity surrounding this team and its prospects. Well, why would there be? I mean. I I will okay I can say that there I think there there are some things that I'm curious about you mm-hmm. know um overall I'm e- excited to see there's a lot of new players yes I think that that's a positive you know um the overarching theme for me this year dude is I'm curious to see if bringing in multiple new roster players and a new coaching staff changes the way this team plays or is this team still flawed because the core itself is flawed. Right. And we're going to find that out. Right. Right. We're going to find that out. Like are the sharks still, I mean, whether they're good or not, are they going to play this style that Mike Greer and David Quinn seem to be, aiming for which is i think what we've wanted for a while yes you know difficult to play against you know team first attitude bigger guys they certainly seem to like the bigger guys that can hit 
can play more physical. David Quinn had a really interesting, not to get too off on a tangent, but David Quinn had a really interesting uh, quote in a recent article that was way at the end. And I thought it was very, very interesting that it became way at the end because I thought the, the sentiment was quite against the grain of most NHL thinking these days. And one was about, it was about Mario Ferraro, how the Sharks were number one in the league or near the top of the league in terms of block shots per game. And Mario Ferraro led the team in block shots. And David Quinn said something to the effect of, it's too many block shots. We want fewer blocked shots. And I'm like, wow, that's really trippy. That's an interesting... Basically, he's saying, of course, you want a well-placed block shot on the penalty kill. He said that specifically. That's important. But if you're blocking shots all the ice, that means your positioning may not be as good because mm-hmm. you have to then step into the shooting lane because the person thinks they have a shot on net. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting idea um, hmm. to bring forward because usually everybody thinks you're blocking a lot of shots. You're doing great. You're sacrificing the body. The other thing is obviously when you're blocking shots, you're opening yourself up a little bit more to injury. Sure. We see guys get injured. You know, crazy fluke injuries like Logan Couture basically losing every tooth in his head because it ramped up off somebody's stick. You know, those kinds of things do happen in the league, especially when you're shooting 80, 90 miles per hour. So seems like David Quinn has maybe a slightly uh, non-standard way of approaching the game, which, frankly, I find somewhat refreshing. Can these new players and new coaching staff reflect this style of play that they want to impose on the team? Or will the Sharks' core, which has long considered to be soft for a decade or longer, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, not be able to execute this style? And I'm not sure the answer of that, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm curious. I'm interested. I want to see how the new players fit in. It's not a sexy who's who list no. of uh, high-level players here. Mm-hmm. But these are NHL role players with a decent track record of being impactful NHL role player type guys. So can they make a positive influence on this team? I think that's, to me, that's the theme, you know, to start is, will we see a shift in how they play? Right, right. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of things up in the air going into the season, you know, not looking at the controversy regarding whether the Sharks will be able to play in the Czech Republic or not, which at least apparently recently has now been essentially resolved. The Czech Republic will allow Russian players in to play. And Greer had said recently that either we all go or nobody goes, right? You can't just like peel off a couple of players and say, sorry, you're not going on the trip, but everybody else is. And I understand that. And I think that's probably correct. So despite that controversy, to me, I see two... Well, the one big question is Timo Meyer for this season. The other question, which is still outstanding, which is interesting that we've we've traded some texts on, which is not a ground-shattering kind of question for this team, is what's Joe Thornton doing? <laughs> what's he up to? Yeah. What's happening? He moved back, which I think is great. I had a very positive reaction to that news, but he's skating. He's reportedly in meetings with Mike Greer. Like, what is that about? Am I just overestimating what kind of impact that will have? Let's say we sign Joe Thorne to the league minimum, plays on, plays 27 games on the fourth line. Does that really matter? Do we care? Is that really something that we need to worry about in any way? Well, this is what I'll say. 
since Joe Thornton left, this team is not fun anymore. <laughs> They're not fun. They've lost all sense of personality. Uh, it was like you put a mute button on Brent Burns. Yeah. Like, I mean, like he changed. Like he, yeah. you kind of yeah, yeah. saw that the, the thrill is gone, right? When he left. So um, if we're looking for entertainment value, which might be maybe, you know, if we're looking at check boxes of things to maybe look forward to this year, maybe improved entertainment value might be one of them. Well, having Jumbo around the team in some capacity increases that possibility by a ton, right? No question. I mean, Joe Thornton is probably uh, not an impactful NHL player anymore, but he can have a positive impact on a team that has struggled to find a true identity. Now, are we just putting them back in a time machine and not allowing the guys to kind of come into their own. Maybe. I mean, if you're just bringing him back in there to kind of be, you know, there's no way he's just going to sort of take a back seat. I would think in terms of leadership, but maybe they need that. I mean, maybe they need a little bit of a reboot, a refresh, you know, in that way. If you've got young players like Bordalo and Eklund around, like, do you want Joe Thornton around? We see this with the Warriors. They have Andre Iguodala, who is, mm-hmm you know, a multiple, you know, uh, NBA champion who is not a very good NBA player anymore, who is still on the team because he's like having another coach Mm -hmm. on the bench. Right. And can the Sharks stomach putting Joe Thornton out there for five minutes, six minutes a night, but just to have him on the bench as like another coach almost? I don't know. I don't think Joe wants to come and play 15 games. Right? How many games did he play for the Panthers last year? Yeah, not I, that many. He was right. a scratch this is quite a, a bit. Different situation, though, right? Like the Panthers were trying to win a cup. Yeah, the Sharks are not right. Like I mean, like well, they might be trying, right? But they're not <laughs> going to. So I just think it's different. I mean, I think the other part is that maybe he's going to be part of the organization in some way. Sure, right? That which, seems more likely. Which would be positive. Does that mean a Joe Thornton retirement announcement is coming? It's possible, right? Although I wouldn't expect him to be skating if that were the case, right? Or maybe he just wants to be around the guys he wants to skate, stay in shape, have some fun, know some guys. Sure. And that's his thing, right? Can you see him taking on a similar role as Mike Ricci? Mike Ricci's out there skating. Yeah. He's a development coach, right? R- right. I mean, is Joe ready to just be back in the Bay Area, Bay Area with his family and to be a development coach for both the NHL and AHL level. Maybe that's what this is. It's a good question. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind it. I Honestly, I wouldn't mind it. Now, I look at the roster and I go, I don't know. Like, if you put Joe on the team, whose spot is he taking? Yeah. Right? Does yeah. that mean that we don't see Gadjevich or VL or someone like Noah Gregor doesn't play because you've got Joe around, right? Or Stephen Lawrence, I mean, the guy you you got for Brent Burns mm-hmm. now loses his playing time because Joe's here. I mean, it's a real question. I mean, for the what's better for the future of the team, you know, like you might be able to have the same effect of having him as a coach, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But what do you think, dude? I mean, do you want to see him on the roster or do you want to see him just be part of the organization? I don't particularly want to see him on the roster. And uh, the the reason is, is because of exactly what you just said. It seems like all the additions the Sharks have made, 
in the offseason have been to the bottom six. And if we put Jumbo in the top six, that's just a disaster. No. Right? It's yeah. just it just it's doesn't not gonna make happen. it doesn't make any sense. And you're right. So now we're not gonna play Nico Sturm, who's like no. a, a good third or fourth line sure. player. Yeah. And we're gonna play Jumbo instead. I just that I if there was an obvious slot, I would be more enthusiastic about it. But it seems like that's the one spot on the roster that's kind of crowded right now, and I don't think we need another body there. Yeah. But I would love to see him involved in the organization if he wants to be in, in an off-ice consultant role, a development coach role, just whatever, helping to build culture. We've talked a lot about the culture of this team over the past few months. I mean, there's not really an opening here either with Drew Romanda coming back, but I mean, Joe would be great on TV too, right? I yeah. mean, now I don't think that's what they're doing here, but if he's part of the organization, him dropping in on the booth eight or 10 times a year, not yeah. so bad. Right? That would be as, you a, know? as kind of maybe not the color guy. The thing is, I'm, you know, there's been such a, a, a parade of elite athletes that have been terrible in the booth. He I'm would not, not be. I'm not as sure. Oh, I think he'd be so good, dude. I mean, I, I don't think... You don't want to put him in... A, I think if he's part of the organization... Like, we see this... I, I, I'm using Bay Area sports parallels, but Will Clark is part of the San Francisco Giants organization. Yeah. And he comes into the booth a couple times a year and sits in. He's not doing play-by-play. They're like talking maybe i'm thinking maybe they're talking to joe at intermission yeah. or something yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. you know uh or he sits in for like one section of a period and they're calling the game but they're also talking to him about the development of players etc right? right you right. know what i mean you're kind of boosting you know your uh your broadcast briefly by bringing him in because i mean looking at the athletic survey i mean joe thornton is the most popular player yes. in sharks franchise history yes. and it was double the percentage of, I think, second place Patrick Marlowe. That's correct. Double, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not close, right? Um, I, I don't know to see Dan Boyle. I mean, you know. I mean, he was there. You know I mean? But, you know. That I mean, was my that, answer. Is your, is your vote. Yeah. I didn't, um, uh, my I, answer, always Dan Boyle. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course it's Dan Boyle. Dan Boyle forever. Um, I, I mean, I, I tried for uh, Jim Kite, but it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. you're in the other category at the bottom. <laughs> okay, dude. Well, um, let's talk about more roster spots here. Yeah. I mean, another kind of open question is, and this could actually impact whether Joe is part of this team. This could be a part two. If the Sharks decide to put Eklund and Bordalo both in the minors and they're committed to keeping them there this year instead of bouncing them back and forth... There may be an NHL roster spot available because then you are moving up players like Kunin, um, Lindblom, who we haven't seen yet. You know, it's hurt. Um, you're moving some of those guys higher in the lineup, and you may have a fourth line role available. Do you think Eklund and or Bortolo are going to make this team? Right? Or should they? Okay, so let me take the second question first. No, they shouldn't make the team, right? It's been pretty clear that, well, at least my our interpretation of the roster moves that Mike Greer has made thus far are to shore up the third and the fourth line such that we are not putting a 21-year-old high-end prospect on the fourth line for 12 minutes with lower-skilled players on their line playing against lower-skilled players on the other line. That doesn't appear to be a winning strategy for the Sharks, 
these past few years. And I hope that's the case. Okay. However, Lindblom is hurt and Barabanov is hurt, right? So there might be some holes. Um, I think actually right now, and it doesn't seem like, oh yeah, they'll be back tomorrow is the, is the word on either of those players. I think that at least one of those guys is going to be on the roster opening night because of those injuries, not because I necessarily think that's the correct thing for the Sharks to do at this point. What do you think? So I would say uh, they should be on the team if the Sharks are committed to playing them in a top six role and committed to riding it out uh, mistakes aside, right? You can't have... You can't bounce them back and forth unless they're just injury fill-ins. And if that's the case, then you send them back down. It's not like they're being sent down because, sorry, kid, you, you're you not good enough right now. We don't need that with those guys right now. I would way rather see them play 60-plus games together on the same line for the Barracuda and crush it And then when the time is right, maybe it's at the end of the year if the Sharks make trades, you bring them up together Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. and let them play together if that's the plan, right? Whether it's them being together or not, like the chance for them to experience some sort of chemistry or success with other Sharks prospects, the Sharks prospects have really been robbed of that over the last several years. Agreed. Because they've been on this, you know, shuttle you know, from one dressing room to another, and they haven't developed any sort of continuity or real development. So um, either you're committed to them being part of the team, and if they are struggling, you let them ride it out and figure it out, or you let them play in the minors, and you bring them up maybe to patch an injury situation as needed, but they're not constantly being punished for mistakes. I definitely agree with that, but I think I would probably go even one further. I mean, let's let's be honest. This team is going to be somewhere between bad and absolute balls, okay? That's essentially where this team is going to be. Putting a young player, a early draft pick on the second line on a team frankly that's not good. I'm skeptical as to how much that's going to help their development, honestly. Oh yeah, you're just going to lose every These guys are not used to losing. These guys are not used to being chasing the puck down the ice. These guys are used to being productive players on the ice. I am not sure that it's going to help their development to put Thomas Bordelow and William Eklund on the second line of a team that is going to lose 40 games or more. Mm-hmm. 45 games, 50 games, who knows, however many games that's going to be. I would much rather, as you said, have them kill it, crush it in a new arena around a team that has a lot of excitement, a lot of young guys, Ozzy Weisblatt, Tristan Robbins, all these guys, a lot of excitement surrounding that team. Like we said a couple shows ago, we might be more excited to see the Barracuda this year, right? Let's put those guys in that positive, exciting environment rather than a team that is clearly not going to be great, almost certainly not going to make the playoffs. I don't know. I just feel like that's a better environment for a guy that you want to develop into a top line kind of player as opposed to just like take your lumps kid we're losing four to one again yeah i mean they need eckland to be a all-star level player yeah i mean he needs to be or develop into that type of player right and i think you're right i mean unless unless the opportunities are there and he has you know i mean you could you could have that happen now right if you're playing with meyer and hurdle and it's time Right, that could happen. 
could happen this year. Yep. Right. Um, but um, having him play on a on a line with Benino and LeBanc is not that's not responsible player development. Right. At this point, you know, you shouldn't you're, you're putting him in a situation where he won't succeed. And that's dangerous when you're looking at the long term future of the franchise, which is really where they should be focused right now. Agreed. Right. Like, you know, instead of trying to patch together some sort of John Tortorella like, you know, team that just sort of works hard enough to barely make the playoffs and then they get spanked, you know, that I don't know that that's the right way to go right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Kevin LeBanc is is a good example. This yeah. is a guy who is in the opposite case. This is a guy that has to be on the NHL roster. And this is a guy who needs to be an NHL player now or else his career is over. Essentially, right. Right. So, I mean, Kevin LeBanc is will segue into that question, right? I mean, which Kevin LeBanc are we going to see? We're going to see a LeBanc that's getting a fresh start, right? Fresh start, new coach, uh, you know, new shot here. It's reportedly healthy. Can he go back to being that 50, high 50s scorer who was very effective on the power play? Can we get that player back? Or is that player gone, dude? I honestly have no idea. I have no clue about Kevin LeBanc. That's one of the biggest unknowns in this team going forward. It's not really going to be the difference between a team that's going to make the playoffs and not. But certainly, this is a turning point in his career, without a doubt. The next 80 games is absolutely crucial for Kevin LeBanc because if he doesn't perform somewhere close to that 50 to 60 point range, he's out of the league, right? And and on a bad team that has room for him, that's not going to be looked favorably on by other managers around the league. It'd be surprising to me to see him actually get another shot. So that's one big question. The other big question is not really a performance question, but I think it's the question that's going to be casting a huge shadow over this team the whole season. What are the Sharks going to do about Timo Meyer? Yeah. What are they going to do? And here's, here's the first question. I'll do it in the opposite order. What should the Sharks do about... The, Timo Meyer and what are the Sharks going to do about Timo and Meyer, dude? You go first. Well, I mean, I think we got to see what Timo Meyer, how he responds to playing in this new coaching staff, and if we're going to see, if we're going to see the Timo Meyer that's willing to go to the hard places, the Timo Meyer that's playing a little more Kachuk like than the Timo Meyer who was content to be on the edges of play and shoot from a distance, right? If that's the second guy, the distance guy, who's going to be more of a um, softer skill level player, not interested. You know, if he wants to be, you know, the uh, even higher ability Ryan Klo type player that I think we saw early. I mean, the name, I, the name that shall not be spoken, the Evander Kane type. Player. Sure, of course. I mean, if he wants to be all that was good about Evander Kane, I mean, you, if you have a chance to to um if you have a player like that and you can keep them and they're young you keep them i think you keep them because you can if they continue to be good you can always move them right but um what should they do i think they should keep him because he's uh the sharks are not at this time willing to go full coyotes right Mm -hmm. they're not doing that and they've said they won't right so if you're not going to do that, 
and you're going to turn around and trade Timo Meyer for a package of prospects and picks, then what? Where where are you? That's going Coyotes, right? See, I, this is where I disagree with you because the Sharks have other players under contract, right? The Coyotes are just... They don't have any particular high-end players. I mean, they probably have a you know one or two that are okay. But the Sharks have Carlson under contract, Couture under contract for a long time, Hurdle now under contract for a long time. I don't see the same kind of parallel to the Coyotes as the Sharks if they let Timo Meyer go. Um. You know, this is a guy who's going to get a $10 million qualifying offer next year if the Sharks want to want to keep him or they have to offer him a contract. That's going to be around that range. In all frankness, I don't think the Sharks can afford it. I don't think the Sharks can afford to have this guy on the team. That's one more contract that's going to be a burden. I think teams, rightly so, are shying away from these seven and eight-year deals. I don't think you can sign him and trade him. I think if you sign Timo Meyer to a eight-year deal at ten or eleven million dollars a year, or whatever that going rate is going to be, that contract is unmovable. He's going to have to turn into a first-team All-Star for that contract to be movable. And I just don't see that ceiling for Timo Meyer. He's a good player. He's an All-Star, right? He's the twelfth best winger in the league. Okay. And that's not nothing. You know, this is a competitive league with a lot of great players. I mean, that's great. But the fact is, he's not a world beater. He's not a guy that you're going to say, you put him head to head and he's going to, you know, go against Crosby or something and he's going to win. So I'm, I like Timo Meyer as a player. I'd love to see him get into that power forward role. But in terms of seeing the team go forward, man, I just don't see how that's going to be positive for the Sharks to get another eight-year contract on the books. I just don't see it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's hard to argue with a lot of your points. I mean, I think that the if the Sharks are looking three years down the road at when maybe they might be a competitive team again, wouldn't you still want a 28-year-old 76-point player on your team at that point? He would still be in his NHL prime. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you're adding another high-priced contract to the books, right? With some of the other big tickets, there's no there's no way to to get out from under them. Like, I mean, you know, you'd have to you have to hope that some of them really reset their value, and maybe you can have a Burns type situation again. With you know, I mean, I I think. You know, obviously, Eric Carlson is the one that we're looking at. And I think Logan Couture might be in that boat, too, where, you know, you're looking at those two players and wondering if maybe there's a way to move them in order to accommodate this salary slot. Um, but 80 point forwards that are in their mid 20s are really hard to find. It'd be hard to give it up. Right. And get a return that matches the timeline of Bordalo, Eklund, and company, right? And it would also mean the Sharks would be <laughs> uh, taking a significant step back in their competitiveness, a, a major step back. Right. And I don't think the franchise is willing to do that. Right. And I think that that's the, that's the answer 
to the second question, which is, will the sharks do it? And I think, at least in my mind, clearly the answer is no. I think clearly the answer is the sharks are going to try and sign him. Right. They're going to try and keep him. And I don't have all the answers. I don't know if they should definitely get rid of him. In my mind, if they could get three good prospects from Timo Meyer and maybe one of them could turn into a, a player of Meyer's quality... That seems like a good trade to me because those prospects are going to pan out in three years when they're 22 and Myers 30, right? Or four years when Myers 30 and Myers starting that slide that inevitably happens when players get to around that age. To me, that's that's the right kind of trade. But I understand the Sharks have to be competitive. This is a competitive entertainment market in terms of sports. The Niners, the Warriors, the Giants and the A's. You know, there's a lot going on and the team maybe just can't afford to suck that bad and and still try and, you know, build for the future. Right. And those those considerations have to happen. I am I'm definitely not in the camp that so many people like, you know, the angry commenters on the athletic and angry people on the internet, they're like, the sharks should sell everything and they're gonna get a number two draft pick and then they're gonna be great. And to which I say Buffalo Savers. Right. To which I say mid-2000s Edmonton Oilers, right? People think it's just like automatic. Yeah, I'm going to get some great pick and then the team's going to be great in three years. Listen, folks, that doesn't happen a lot of the time. And I think putting all your eggs in that basket is just as foolish as thinking that Eric Carlson's going to turn into a Norris tr- Trophy candidate again. So it's a tough question. I can see, I can see uh, arguments for both sides. But for me, I think the right thing for the team to do in terms of a hockey perspective, maybe not from a business perspective... But from a hockey perspective, the right thing to do is to trade Timo Meyer and to try and get two or three really great prospects and picks. That's what I would try and do. I don't know. What do you think? I want, I want to hear the rants. I want to hear people coming in on that because I'm sure there's going to be people who really disagree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do a, a lot of maneuvering to make it work, right? If you look at the Sharks roster next season, Meyer is a restricted free agent. Benino's unrestricted. You're probably letting him walk. Gregor, you're not going to have to pay a big ticket there. Nieto, walking, right? Vl Gajevich, Sveshnikov, and we don't even know what what their deals are, right? Nutivara, you know, who, who knows? knows, right? Uh, so they still have James Reimer gone. So they still have a ton of money committed to next year's roster, but many players... You know, that's I just named all the guys I just named are probably playing this year, right? On Mm -hmm. the NHL level, right? So if you look at their cap hit for next year, right, they have 15 guys signed at 60 million, and this year they've got 24 at 77. Mm -hmm. So if you sign Timo Meyer, then you've got 16 guys at, let's just say, 70. Yeah. And then you've got to fill in the rest of those eight spots with the remaining nine million. And that's saying that's if you aren't able to come off of some of this other money, right? So um it looks pretty difficult to pull off, you know? It looks pretty difficult 
to pull off impossible no not impossible i right? think i think someone was interviewing my career and they're like how often do you look at cap friendly and he's like i try not to look at it <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was a really funny yeah like, i really liked my career a lot more when i read that i'm like I'm, I'm happy he's here i really am i have to say that in terms of i mean we're kind of uh, overwhelmed with negativity here but at least so far um i'm not saying every move my career has made has been like the most amazing thing ever but it seems like his attitude and his outlook is in a place that really agrees with my outlook and attitude towards the Sharks. Sure. And I like that. And obviously, sure. he knows a hell of a lot more about hockey than I do. Right. Yeah. I, it's a lot. There's a lot, a lot to play out here, dude, um, as the season goes. No, I'm looking for. I'm hope. I want. I want a harder working team. I want to see some improvement. I want to see the foundation develop at the AHL level. You know, I think under no circumstances am I expecting there to be, you know, great success at the NHL level this year. But we need to see a step forward. We need to see where this can go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, where we're headed, not in the immediate, but down the road, right? I think that's a position that as Sharks fans, we've never been in or not recently. We've either been in, we expect to win the cup now mode or we've been in quicksand the mm-hmm. last couple of years, right? Yep. Where we're like, this is completely foreign to us. We don't know what this feels like to be the Winnipeg Jets, right? You know, uh, to be completely, you know, disoriented in not knowing what's coming next, yep. right? Yep. You know, the, f- the final thing we need, dude, we need Joe Thornton shirtless in the owner's box. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's good to see you. Yes, good I know our, our schedules are crazy. We're going to record as much as we can, folks. Can't commit to a specific schedule, but we're back. We're not. We're not done with this thing just yet. But I, what I can say, go shark, go shark. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.